grab a seat. Thanks for singing with us. Week three of our series that we started um, just a couple of weeks ago, talking about this idea of what it looks like to be mission-minded people. Uh, what we realize as people who follow Jesus is that when we enter into the new life that he provides us and gives us and invites us into, is that he also invites us into new opportunities, new perspectives, and new purposes, and things like that. And that could be summarized and phrased as a new mission, where all of a sudden, new life that we're given in Christ, and, and forgiveness, and salvation, leads us into new understandings as well, that life doesn't have to be the same as it's always been, that in fact, he, he would like to see new things happen in our lives as well. So for this whole series, we've been talking about three central themes. Those themes are gospel, community, and vision. And we have been looking at one particular passage of scripture that we've used to frame this entire series. When we are talking about the mission that we have as Christ followers, what we have done is looked at this one passage in one book, in the Bible, and it comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verse 15, says this, go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. That is kind of a verse that we've looked at over the last two weeks. We look at it today, and we'll look at it next week as kind of condensing down the, the mission that we feel as though that we have as people who have been changed by Christ and being commissioned by him into the world. This is how we condense that down, is you're supposed to go into all the world, proclaim the good news. And so maybe you've memorized this passage, maybe you're working on it, but if you are ever wondering, man, what is my mission as a Christian? As someone who's trying to follow Jesus, what, what should I be mindful of? This is a really good place to start. It's not the only place to go, um, but this is a really good place to start. Um, it's something that, that should be an outpouring of our changed lives. In the first week of this series, we talked about how we should go about proclaiming the good news. We, we talk about what the good news is a lot here, um, but last, the, the first week of this series, we talked about how we should go about proclaiming that message. And the conclusion we came to was without condemnation. We looked at John 3, 16 and John 3, 17. John 3, 17 talks about how Jesus came into the world not to condemn it, but to save it through him, through his love, through his grace. And so we receive that word as people that are called to go out um, proclaiming that good news without condemnation. Last week, we talked about this idea of community uh, we're, we spent last week, we're also going to spend this week talking about this idea of what it looks like to be a community. And last week, we talked about this idea of a community that gathers. And if you recall, we went through these isn't-is statements of, of what it looks like to be a gathered people and what we're talking about when we talk about the gathering. We're going to talk about one of them later on in today's message, but um, I would encourage you, if you, were, if you missed last week, to go on our website. You can listen to every message that's ever preached here on our website. 
Um, and if you have forgotten that, then, uh, then that would be a good resource for you. But what we talked about, when we talked about this idea of gathering, is a new rhythm. And so we announced last week this, this new rhythm that we're going to start here at Reachway Church, and that is a dinner. What we're going to call very, very simply, neighborhood dinner. And what this particular gathering is designed for is to celebrate just because, is to encourage each other through conversation and, and the sharing of stories and ideas, um, opportunities to make new connections with what our big dream is here is to connect with the people that live right around this facility um, and other people that might be in your family or friend circles as well. So, uh, of course, we, we, we bring this to light again. This is going to be a monthly rhythm for us. We're kind of building as we go. We launched Reachway last fall, and there's kind of building pieces as we figure out what are some of the best ways that this group of people in this particular neighborhood at this particular place and time can go and proclaim the good news to all creation. And we feel like this is actually a really good thing that, that could result from this. So a couple things to say about this. First of all, keep saving that date. Uh, it's going to always be the second Sunday of the month. So the second Sunday of March happens to be March 10th. And so that is when we're going to be gathering here at 5 p.m. A couple of notes about, about this first neighborhood dinner is, is a couple of things. The first one is that we will need you to RSVP so we know how much food to get for the people who are going to be there. Um, we also are asking that Reachway becomes a group of people that would also bring a scythe. So, so this is just logistical administrative things real quick. Um, if you're going to be going to the neighborhood dinner, first of all, we would love for you to do that. What we're going to be asking is that you would either bring a chip and dip, a dessert, or a drink. Uh, Reachway is going to cater, going to sponsor the entree. But what we're asking is that you would bring some side dishes along with it. What we're hoping is that we would have enough food, obviously, for us, but anyone else who would come who's not yet a part of Reachway as well. You can RSVP for the neighborhood dinner, and you can sign up for something to bring with Miss Dina in the lobby as you leave today. Um, and we also have ways that you can RSVP on our website as well. Just a little housekeeping there. Good to go. Okay. So we're talking about Christian community once again this morning. We began this discussion last week, and, and if you weren't here last week, I really would encourage you to go online and listen, because last week and this week really do work together in terms of what we're trying to communicate here. Uh, but last week, we defined Christian community. We talked about how community is a buzzword, how it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So in order to avoid some of the confusion, we got really specific last week, and we said we're talking about Christian community, and this is how we defined it, is people with changed lives living to see other lives changed. That's how we defined Christian community. What does it look like for people who follow Jesus to live in relationship and community with one another? It's people with changed lives living to see other lives changed. That's how we define Christian community. That kind of speaks into our mission as well and our vision for, for this local church. And we talked about a rhythm, an overall, an overarching rhythm for those 
who are participating in Christian community. Once again, understanding that community is something you participate in. It's not a service that you receive, but, but it is something that you devote time to and energy towards, just like a family or a friend group. And we talked about that the overarching rhythm of anyone who would choose to participate in Christian community is a rhythm of gathering and scattering. And this really falls in line with some of the natural rhythms of life. Um, this idea of even just something as simple as our lungs expanding and contracting, where we, our, our bodies every second, <laughs> in a way, gather and scatter. It, it would make sense for God, who has created all things, to create our bodies even in similar ways than how he's designing this community to function. Um, seasons change. Uh, plants live and die and then grow again. If you have uh, different flowers or plants that return um, at your house, um, this, this in and out way of life. Um, both of these things with purpose. Last week, we talked about what it looks like to gather with purpose, and today we're going to be talking about scattering with purpose. Before we do that, I do want to circle back to last week. One of the isn't-is statements that we talked about when it comes to gathering. Last week, we said that gathering is not the mission, but it supports the mission. So we're very clear on what our mission is as a church, to go, to go into all the world, proclaiming the good news to all of creation. The gathering side of things supports that, but it is not the mission. That is to say, we are nowhere close to done as a church. And, and, and in no ways have we made it when we're just able to do this particular one hour a week thing the best that we possibly can. That leads us to ask a question, a question that I'd like to hopefully speak to this morning. And that question is, well, if gathering isn't the mission, then what is the church? Or what is church in general? I want to take that question and I want to I speak to it for a little because it it helps us with this gathering and scattering rhythm is when we can ask, what is church? What is church supposed to be? What is the church? If gathering is the sole mission, so going back a minute and talking about what it's not, but if it is, hopefully this, this helps us, is, is if gathering is the sole mission, the sole focus, then the church is a building or a place where the gathering happens. And church is what is done at the gathering. If gathering is the mission, if everything we do, if all of the, if, if those of you who give financially, you give your time to volunteer, any efforts or finances that you've gone in with to help support what Reachway does, if this is it, then the church is the building we're in, and church is what we do. Now, at first glance, this makes sense, because listen to what we often say. Hey, let's go up to the church. Fair? 
Let's go, let's go up to the church, 1203 Northeast Perry, corner of Perry and Boris. There's a pavilion in the back. If I had a dime for every time I said that to someone, where, because what's the question that I'm asked as a pastor? Where is your church? You know what I really want to say? Wherever our members are. That's what I really want to say. Where's Reachway Church? Well, East Peoria, Peoria, Pekin, different zip codes, different blocks and neighborhoods. That's what I really, really want to say. But unfortunately, that kind of an answer gets, huh? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Or sometimes what I've heard at every church is this is what I like about church or this is what I dislike about church. Now, what are we talking about when we say that? The music, the preaching, the paint, the seats, the coffee. If this is the mission, the church is this building and church is just the things that we happen to do while we're in this building. I would suggest a couple of things. The first one is that it's hard to reconcile that understanding with the mission that we've been talking about for the last three weeks now. Is that we are supposed to go <laughs> into all the world. Right now we are on about two acres of the planet. <laughs> And surrounding us is many, many square miles that we all scatter off into. It's very hard to go if this is the only place that we feel like important things happen. Going becomes irrelevant. And when we talk about going, we just say, well, I'm going to go from my house to the church. And it's hard to reconcile the mission that Christ gives us. It's kind of the, the adage, uh, perhaps a parent comes home and they're find their kids having thrown a party. Uh, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> if we're going to really dive into this mission that we've been given, we can't just stay here. It's hard to reconcile. All of that, if gathering is the mission. But of course, we're talking about gathering and scattering as being a more fuller understanding of what our mission is. So if gathering is, and scattering becomes our overall mission, our overall focus. Listen, look at what happens here. When we go from gathering only to gathering and scattering, the church becomes people. The church becomes you. Individuals that live in different places and work in different places and shop in different places where all of a sudden, if we would choose to embrace a bigger way of thinking, that Reachway Church is where the, the, the 20, 25 of us are, happen to be on any given day at any given time. That's pretty cool. And church becomes <laughs> a Greek word. <laughs> ekklesia. Everyone say ekklesia. It's a Greek word, you're welcome for have, having taught you a, a Greek word today. Ekklesia is the word that translates as church. A lot of the New Testament was originally written in the language of Greek. And ekklesia is the word that they used that we have since used English 
as the word church. And ecclesia means it's a way of life, people living as the called out ones. People living as though they have received news, some kind of a message that requires them to rethink everything that they say and think and do. That they have been called out from their former way of life and they are being invited into a new and different way of life. The last two slides that we've had up there might not come across as a big shift to you, uh, might not come across as something that really hits home this morning. But I will say this, is that the two different understandings that are happening there really do have some massive weight and implications to them. Because here's the deal. When you enter into a new mission, you have to start talking differently. You have to do it. The words that we say reveal where we are actually focused in life. This is the power of narrative that we've talked about so often here at Reachway. Is that there are power, there is power in the words that we say. So when this is the focus, it makes saying, let's head over to the church, difficult. Because the church is no longer a place. It's a very interesting thing. So if you happen to, I don't know how many people dissect phrases like I do. It's just how I'm wired. But you may have heard me say from time to time that this is Reachway's facility. Make no mistake about it. Reachway is a church. Reachway Church. We have a facility. Like any other organization has a facility. But I am always slow to say that, that this is Reachway Church. I, I'm, I'm looking at Reachway Church right now. That's how I see things. Is that I'm, I'm looking at, when I look at you, I'm looking at Reachway Church. This is not Reachway Church. You are Reachway Church. So it makes it very difficult to say, let's head over to the church. Well, Miss Eleanor's over there, and Joan's over there, Seth's over here, and Tom and Desiree are over there. So I don't know if you're ever going to change how you talk, but, <laughs> but it is important. And what we say really does shape a lot of the things that we think. Ecclesia. Living as the called out ones. Are those that have come to a belief that God has come to earth in the form of Jesus Christ. And that through his resurrection from the dead, we are extended the salvation of God. And as a result of that, those are two huge statements, by the way. As a result of that, life is no longer the same. The good news is impacting all of life, living as though God is making all things right. The called out ones, church, ecclesia, people that believe at this moment in time that God, the creator of the universe, has come down to earth in the form of Christ. He lived, he died, he rose again. And because of that, life cannot be the same. 
So that reality works on us, but we also live to see that that reality could perhaps meet someone else as well. That's what it means to live called out. So you notice I haven't really said scatter yet. And I hope that what we find here is that the last, last week and today so far has, is going to make sense for us. Because this is what I would like you to know is, as, we, as we turn to close our time is, is that in the spirit of living as called out ones, scattering with purpose, I'd like to tell you this. The first step towards scattering with purpose is to allow God to retune your senses. That is what I would like to let you know today. We've worked through a couple of big ideas today. How we talk about church, what we mean when we say church, the church, what it means to go to church, where's your church. We're talking about gathering, we're talking about scattering, and you might be thinking, well, I've never even understood the word scatter, I haven't really comprehended this. What's a good place to start? Allowing God to retune your senses. Because the gathering, like we talked about last week, supports the mission. The gathering supports scattering. So because of that, we don't have to look too far. In fact, let me introduce to you, and it's really not introduced to you, but just bring to light a prayer and a blessing that we talk about almost every single time we dismiss. It's a prayer that I call a, a prayer of Christ-likeness. When we talk about having the mind of Christ so that we could think like him, the eyes of Christ so that we could see like him, ears, mouth, hands, feet, and heart. Do you recall that we pray this after every single gathering that we have here? Why? Because we've done it since launch Sunday. And I, there's only been a week or two where we haven't. Did you know that we've been doing it on purpose this whole time? <laughs> and not so that February 24th, Sunday morning, we can have an aha moment. It's because I believe that there's that, that, that's something worth praying. Is that as people who are compelled by the understanding and belief that God has come down to earth, that Jesus has come down to earth, that life is no longer the same, and that we are called to be like him, then why not ask him to impart his mind so that we could think like him? Why not pray the most mysterious prayer that I've ever prayed is, Lord, give me your eyes. I don't, I don't even know what that means when I, when I would ask that, but could you imagine if you started? When this is prayed, when this is desired, when this is sought, when we open ourselves up to the possibility that this could even happen. Our purpose in scattering ignites. You may come and go from work. You may come and go from the places of social recreation that you have. You may come and go from the places where you shop. And you may come and go from your city block, not thinking that there's anything you can do for the kingdom of God, but that the only thing that you can do for the kingdom of God is what you do in and through this particular facility, I want you to tell you, I want to tell you that that's not true at all. 
that God has called each and every one of you. And when we say that God has called the church, what that means is that God has called you. God has called us, not a building or the people that have been gathering here for decades and decades and decades. All the while, God was calling each and every person that's ever gathered in this particular room. If we could pray for the mind, for the eyes, for the ears, for the mouth, for the hands, for the feet, and for the heart of God, imagine what could happen. Imagine how you would start seeing your coworkers who may have never been here or could ever or will ever come here. But imagine how you could start seeing them, thinking about them. When they talk about how there are difficult things happening in their lives, imagine what you hearing that would then do for your response. It's when we're asking Christ to impact our senses. Scattering ignites. That the mind of Christ would help us think about the world differently. These are some of the possibilities. That, that the mind of Christ would allow us to start valuing things through a different value system. That the eyes of Christ would all of a sudden allow for us to drive past that neighbor we've driven by a million times or see that receptionist at the place we check in and out of or or the person that we drive by walking along the street at that bus stop that for some reason or another, they're at the bus stop when you're commuting to work. What if you having the eyes of Christ made you see people differently? What would that do? Having the ears of Christ. If you're familiar at all with the story of Jesus with the woman at the well, what he heard was a story of a woman who has gone through the ringer with some, some bad, stupid guys. By the way, the reason I say that is because men had to present certificates of divorce. So any woman who's been married five times means that she's been approached by five different scummy dudes who wanted to divorce her, by the way, and that might completely shift what you have to say about that story. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like preaching, you know? Jesus knows that. And so when he hears the phrase, when he hears the things that she has to say, this elicits a Christ-like response. Imagine if you started hearing words differently. You know how, you know how we all ask, hey, how you doing? Eight and a half out of ten times, what, what is someone going to say back? Fine. But that that time and a half when someone's at actually honest with you and says, not so well, and you have the ears of Christ to be able to hear that, so that elicits a Christ-like response. Can, let's talk about it. Is there something that I can do to help you in this time? Imagine what happens when you start hearing like Jesus. Okay, yeah, I think... Seeing, ears, whatever, Pastor Seth. The mouth of Christ. The one who we read about who didn't speak a word of condemnation during his ministry. 
is the mouth of Christ going to find residence in your senses? Imagine what would start happening if you asked God, and not only asked God, but in your heart desired that he would give you his mouth, his words, that you could actually say things as he would say them. Imagine what would happen to the relationships that you have right now. Imagine what would happen to the strangers that you meet. Same thing with the hands. To serve like he served. Asking for the hands of Christ, imagine what it would look like for you to do with your hands the things that Jesus did with his hands, either literally or figuratively, when he's washing people's feet. When he's, when he's touching people as if to heal them. What if there was power in a high five, a handshake, a pat on the back, a hug, fist bump? What if there was actual supernatural ways in which we could communicate the love of God by just patting someone on the back? I'm just saying what if. The feet of Christ to, to walk in the confidence of Christ. I, I think of the story, you may have heard it before, where, where Jesus is very much on his way to someone else's house. Where Jesus is very much on a mission, and he is walking, and he's wearing his cloak, and what does someone do? Just graze his cloak, right? Maybe you're familiar with the story. And as he is walking, as Christ, what we learn about as Christ walked was that he was also very attuned to the things around him. I know that sometimes when I walk around, I am either locked into what's ahead of me or I'm looking at the ground. Jesus, when he walked, was very much attuned to his surroundings. And even though he was walking on a mission, he paused. He ends up healing someone that's been bleeding for 12 years. I wonder what would happen if we started walking around just a hair more attuned to our surroundings than we have been. Imagine what we would start seeing. And then if we start seeing things we've never seen before, then we start hearing things. You see how this all works together? And of course his heart. Of course his heart. To start loving like him. We talk about all the time. Man, I want to love like Jesus. Ask that he would put his love in, in your heart. And that the only thing that you could possibly do was love like him. Let me say this. When we start scattering in this way, the gathering becomes even more life-giving than maybe it already is. familiar with the phrase of getting filled up to be poured out again. I'm comfortable with that phrase when we pour ourselves out. That phrase makes me uncomfortable when it's being said by, by people who might not pour themselves out as graciously or as will, willingly as they should. I would, I would contend that if this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. gathering becomes burdensome, not worth the drive, then I would say that you probably think in your heart of hearts that you don't need it. Why wouldn't you need it? 
is because maybe you haven't given anything in order to be filled back up again. Because I'll tell you what, this morning, Sunday mornings at 10, are designed to encourage you about the love of God that follows you anywhere that you go. In your moments of doubt, in your moments of weakness, which can never be fully revealed to us if we never put ourselves in positions to where we could doubt, where we just move from confidence to confidence, from strength to strength, from assurance to assurance, you will never experience the peace of Christ if you're not willing to put yourself in a position where doubt could even be a possibility. You will never fully experience, like Paul explains to us in his letters to the church, when he is at his weakest, physically his weakest, mentally his weakest, emotionally his weakest, is when he, Paul, fully experienced the full strength and power of God in his life. I would contend that if we don't put ourselves in uncomfortable positions to be poured out, to give of ourselves, to be made weak, we will never experience the strength that can be reminded of ourselves when we gather here, pray here, sing here. When we scatter in this way, the gatherings become even more special. Another thing happens, and this is where the mission really gets ignited, is that when we scatter in this way, I guarantee it, people will be drawn to you. In a world where people are not necessarily attuned to others, you will make ripples. You will be noticed. You will gain influence. And what if that influence culminated into hey, my church does a monthly dinner. What are you doing for dinner Sunday night? It's free. People are good. They mean well. But I'll say this. Any invitation that I've accepted has been presented by someone that had influence in my life. Otherwise, what do we say to invitations? No, I I don't want to go. I would love for, for all of us to leave this place and to just, just invite, but you know what? Invitations fall on deaf ears when, when I wouldn't want to go to a dinner with that person. If you are at all compelled in being someone that can lead others to an understanding of the good news, I would encourage you Take more seriously what it looks like to scatter. Because if you gain influence in someone's life, you have an inroad to the gospel. And this isn't, I want to be clear here, this this isn't coercion. This is what it's like to be human. You think if Jesus was some crusty dude that any of those 12 disciples would follow him around for three years? Or if for some reason Jesus' ministry looked way closer to what, what, our, what, what church looks like today where there was just some gathering at a temple and, and Jesus just spent three years just inviting everyone he came into contact with to this temple meeting. All the while being some crusty, not compassionate, unloving, rude eyebrows. Who on earth would go to that? 
Who would follow such a person? This isn't, this isn't coercion. This is what it's like to be a human being towards another human being. And as people who have been convinced of the good news, if you are in this room and are also compelled by the good news, I will say that you are called and invited into a life where you are to be more like Christ so that others can feel that same sense of love. But if you're going to communicate a message that someone at that moment in time on the surface has not agreed to or agreed with yet so far, they would really like to see someone loved and be loving. It's hard for us to talk about a God of love when we don't love others. It's hard for us to talk about a God of forgiveness when we don't forgive others. 